I'm Tom Saunders, getting through this in Los Angeles, California. And I'm Scott Blakeman in Manhattan. Last night, I visited the 1939 New York World's Fair. I listened to the soaring narration of an Israel announcer who described the amazing and breathtaking sights of this magnificent exposition. I swooned at the topless burlesque dancers performing as the crystal lassies, and I thrilled to the superhighways and sunny, clean streets of the city of 1960, where there are no slums, and where the world of tomorrow is the place where man may realize the fulfillment of his dreams, the 1939 World's Fair, where the magic of today paves the way for the miracles of tomorrow. Congratulations, Scotty. And it's true. You really did travel back through time, traveling to yesteryear by means of YouTube and your wondrous futuristic computerized device. Yes, back to the 1939 time when the end of the, the Depression ended, but right before World War II. We can look with wonder at 1939 people for whom 1960 with radio-controlled cars capable of high speeds and gleaming cities with curvilinear towers and vast parklet settings were but dreams. I know this, Scotty, for I, too, have gone back in time on a device we in 2020 can enjoy, use, and marvel at. A magic typewriter with a window to the world, time travel with a mere tap of the fingers. Yes, we call it a laptop, but... Despite the humble name, it truly does transport us. No dials to turn, no levers, cranks, pedals to mess with, and no threading nitrate film that can burn up in less than a second. And, Scotty, no helmets or unpleasant diesel fuels either. Yes, that's right, Tommy. YouTube has evolved from a collection of sophomoric funniest home videos to a treasure trove of historical footage rivaling that of the finest research libraries access from the comfort of your living room. I watched a 30-minute program that took me on a walking tour of the entire 1939 World's Fair in sumptuous, digitally restored living color. And I didn't feel like an audience member watching a documentary, no. Instead, I was one of those 1939 fairgoers myself in their Sunday clothes, happily taking in the marvelous wonders that filled the Flushing Meadows Park. Just some a moving of a futuristic impossible to explain and it's incredible a, a vision of the future that i saw on youtube yes scotty it's interesting to note that flushing metal park was where the world's fair was built on what had been an enormous ash sheet heap that, that daisy faye buchanan drove through with her crew in the in uh, f scott fitzgerald's masterpiece the Great Gatsby. Interesting fact, Scotty. Mm. Uh, it, it was just a huge land of ashes. And, and it was described by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And, and, and they're on their way to the plaza from the then fashionable North Shore. This, Scotty, this became the site of the Great World's Fair of 1939 and then subsequently 1964. Our humbly named Laptop and YouTube are, Scotty, a powerhouse duo and yes, as you say, producing a wondrous cornucopia of old films about World's Fair. We can witness frame for frame exactly what people paid hard-earned quarters to watch at movie theaters and even more monies to go see in person. But 
there's a treasure we've already bought back from the that golden age of futuristic optimism, Scotty. And that's the ability to talk like a World's Fair newsreel announcer. You know, the kind of voiceover with a voice filled with magic and stirring authority. Imagine a world of tomorrow today when you and I and, and maybe a small community of like-minded people always talk with the same gusto and optimism of a 1939 voiceover man. Who needs any other voice, Scotty? Or an, any other attitude about life? or optimism and confidence in the future. Well, I, I echo that sentiment, Tommy, and we not only need the positive newsreel announcers, but we need a, a positive attitude. A, no one talks about the future. And, you know, back in the 1939 World's Fair, they were talking 21 years into the future to 1960, which must have felt like a thousand years yes. ahead. And yet here in modern day America, uh, no one looks with, no one says 20 years from now, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's like, Ah, it'll be the same thing. Oh, we'll never get that done. Are you kidding? Twenty years or something. Ah, it'll be the same. Yeah, yeah. And, nobody's, uh, nobody's exactly. If you say, if you say, so, what do you think life will be like <laughs> for us twenty years from now? I guess that would be uh, two thousand forty-one. Right? Yeah, twenty forty at this point. Yeah, twenty twenty forty. Yeah, well, if they went twenty-one years ahead as they did in thirty-nine, yeah, twenty forty-one. Yeah, twenty forty-one. Yeah, with this gleaming news, it'd be incredible. <laughs> no, now it's like, well, the ice caps will be totally melted by yeah. then, and, and actually, you know, there we'll won't have be planes, uh, yeah. but or there will be, but it'll be horrible, even worse than it is now. Air flight and uh, very few flights are are a lot of cancellations. Um, yeah, and and will there be traffic? Yes, uh, the roads will be crumbling. There'll be too much traffic, or there won't be any cars because the uh, Green New Deal will put an end to them. So well, unless they'll be all electric, but no, it is. Uh, I mean, we need to hope for the future. And I think, the, as you say, Tommy, the way to start is by employing 1939 style newsreel announcers. We need them in every aspect. When you go to the supermarket checkout, it should be, yes, the marvelous peanut butter by Skippy. Mm, <laughs> goodness, it is incredible food and at a great, not too heavy on the pocketbook. You know, just a nice thing. Everything, you feel good exactly. About it. Wherever you go. Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> yes. If, if, if you get a haircut, yes, I I would like to have my haircut. You please use your electrical power cutting device, which <laughs> cuts hair at a, an amazing speed, leaving the old scissors to, for the uh, museums. <laughs> you know, uh, so every everything can be uh, uh, yeah described in stirring voice. Uh, sometimes you have to. Uh, figure out how to do it. Um, uh, but I'm, I'm just looking around. I see on my, uh, uh, well, well, on my desk right now, there's so many items of, of 2020 that they didn't have back in, in uh, 1939. Oh, like, couldn't even conceive of, uh, you know. Conceive of Ecos window cleaner, Scotty. It yeah. contains vinegar, which they had back in 1939, but it's plant powered, if you can imagine that. And it comes in a spray with a plastic. It's a plastic bottle with a spray. I don't think they had things like that uh, no, in, no. in 1939. Just even plastic spray bottles of window cleaner. Well, no, they had an exhibit which show how a Coca-Cola bottle was manufactured and people just staring and watching the bottles go. And it is amazing. And I would happily go to that. We've lost the ability or many, not you and I, Tommy, 
uh, we're on a mission to change everyone else. The ability to be amazed, even what we're doing right now. I mean, this was uh, being recorded on video, uh, which again, uh, 1939 was when television was first truly introduced in a very uh, small way. But we're holding well on- in a small way. But it, they were yeah. huge televisions. Oh, well, yes, enormous boxes that rose up from the floor, towering. Yeah. You had to look up at them at a t- at a small screen about eight inches in diameter. Partly, it was a cylindrical um, tube uh, that showed a black and white um, image. Flickering that image. had about yeah. four, five lines to it. It was very. Not, it was not a a, a very um, high Fear definition. Uh, no, no. Uh, and uh, in fact, many times people didn't know what they were watching. It was so fuzzy. That's why Milton Berle did so well. Because <laughs> <laughs> he was the only show on. So that was, he, a, was. He, he was probably going, I got the number one sugar. OK, well, it's the only. It's the That's only right. Show. But, you know, they've been. He, that was, the was. test pattern was the the uh, yeah. on the I mean, that actually is true. But that wouldn't happen for another uh, 10 years, actually. Yeah, no, this was the, very the, experimental. The, the very first uh, TV shows that everyone watched, everyone, people who had televisions, uh, wouldn't happen for another 10 years. So that really was the future. You really did, were, were look, when you looked at the, at the uh, television that was uh, shown, uh, that was on display, and you could actually see, I think you could actually stand in front of a TV camera, and then, and you're, your, the rest of your family could see you on this magic box. And that was, it, it absolutely did predict the future. They yeah. also, in the future Motorama exhibit or uh, uh, the GM exhibit, I think it was, it shows these freeways, which are like the freeways of today. Yeah, that was accurate. And then, but, you know, of course, there was no traffic. Basically, but there like, was no traffic. And then, but it did say you can go up to 100 miles an hour. <laughs> And uh, because some people do, you know, drag racing uh, illegally. But that was one thing. Today, in in modern times, yes, people do go 100 miles an hour. It's very illegal. Yeah. But in those days, yes, radio radio control would keep cars separate from each other. They actually believed that robotically driven cars were possible, but using radio waves. Uh, yeah. to control from some tower and you would i guess phone in and say well we want to drive to my aunt's house and you know and then you give the address i guess you wouldn't even have to say to your aunt's house but you and then the radio tower would go roger all right uh, go ahead and then you could you could get in the car and then turn it off like uh it, it would it would drive you you wouldn't turn it off but you wouldn't have to operate the steering wheel yeah and also the exits i think on these highways are even better than they are now you could exit at 50 miles an hour or something but it, it just you know <laughs> it was the city of the future and then the, and i loved how they said it you know this city no slums no unsightly business districts and and you know and and it shall be done through thorough planning and it's i'm thinking you know, there are, no, I know there must be, but you used to hear about urban planners and cities were planned. In fact, you know, Tommy, about in Paris, uh, wasn't the, uh, I don't know whether it was, um, for what reason, in the 1800s, there was a whole change in the city there. And, and, and uh, well, and Chicago had this huge plan uh, oh, yes. created by Daniel Burnham, which was yes, yes, uh, sort of plan based for, in fact, on I Paris read that in some ways. And yeah, and it was, I read his plan, uh, the plan for Chicago. Yeah. And I read that book and read his whole plan. And it's amazing. But he you know, had the same opposition with business leaders, but he transformed 
the city. And uh, in, in many uh, ways, yeah, it, it wasn't fully realized, but in, in, I guess the, the layout was was fairly. Yeah. So it's massive boulevards of coming out of a, a hub and spoke kind of a system. And yes, the, all these futuristic plannings uh, did require a sort of a socialistic view of life where you have this massive, um, uh, well, well, a lot of um, property had to be condemned to create these huge freeway systems well, that, was that were dreamed of. Yeah, Robert and, Moses was a big proponent of that and did ruin a lot of neighborhoods, neighborhoods enormous yeah. neighborhoods. So, and that, and Chicago still suffers from that, um, uh, actually. But because the, 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 uh, the freeways really did ruin, it, they just sort of, it's same thing with L.A. Actually, when you're uh, uh, the the freeway cuts through things, it's a great, great and necessary thing. The freeway, but they never figured out how to make it beautiful. And like the areas around the freeways are always the worst places to be. Uh, yeah, the only ones that were semi-successful, but it also had a dark history, was Robert Moses. The parkways on Long Island, going to the beaches, and those are pretty. They're very, but pretty. also they were made so that. Uh, poor people from the cities couldn't come out because it banned, uh, I think, buses. And, and so there was a dark side. Right. There was uh, no trains going out there or something. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. But, and, but and, actually, but yeah, yeah, that was on purpose. Yeah. Mose, Robert Moses uh, 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 deliberately didn't want, uh, quote unquote, low class people to go to the Jones Beach and uh, in um, Long Island. So, yeah, that was all by plan, these parkways. Yeah. But the parkways are quite lovely. They're very... Yes, though, so those are nice in and of itself. Of course, in L.A., you know, you speak of the freeways, there was a thriving uh, public transportation system, trolleys and trains. And, and then, the, you know, there's been documented the car industries kind of took over. and definitely... Well, more than kind of, Scotty. Yeah, it, they... was, it was engineered. The guy, there was somebody from GM from General Motors, who somehow managed to get onto the uh, city council of Los Angeles in 1940s and a a a absolutely on purpose ran the the um, streetcar system out of business. Right. The red car and all that, on purpose to advance the cause of the of the automobile, Scotty. This is yeah, so it's a. Uh... Yeah, so it's a mixed bag. There was optimism, but of course, uh, and sadly, and again, not to dwell on the negative, but there was one moment in the in the newsreel where they show the Savoy Pavilion where it's fine African-American dancers and the big lettering, world's finest colored dancers. So you're brought back to yeah. a reality there. But it was one thing, Tommy, you bring up, um, it was socialist. Well, there was also people believed in the power of government and the power of industry and the power of great companies, you know, to do big things. And that's that was the era. There was in fact a, a WPA exhibit, and that was around the time of the WPA, which was so incredible. And the and the New Deal was right around that uh, time period. Right. So no, the New Deal had faith. already yeah. been in uh, in business for uh, almost a decade, and ah, and so it was a um, uh, and and so a lot of these ideas of of super highways and so on did require a, a type of of. Um, government involvement that had never really occurred in the United States before. Uh, the, the, uh, the ability of the, of the federal government to create highways that just cut across vast tracts of land and uh, whatever is in the way is just going to have to deal with the fact. It, 
that this highway is going to come through. Yeah, that well, was it's his also vision yeah. by these guys yeah. because they could they could imagine that because that there had been this New Deal that had gone on this this FDR's massive governmentalization of life uh, following the as a response to the Depression. Scott, yeah, which was very successful. Yeah, very. And actually, it was a Republican, Dwight David Eisenhower in the 50s, who really built up the highway system. Uh, And so but it but again, it was a very hopeful thing. Uh, You know, there was great hope for the future. It was great hope for the future. And we believed in it was exciting. Oh, there's craft. There's Coke. There's General Motors. It wasn't like uh, General Motors. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a difference. No, it was exciting to see what's the next car that this great company is going to create. They were thrilled by General Motors and Ford. Uh, yes, and General Electric priceless. with electricity and everything incredible. It was just, and, we were, and, and there was reason to be thankful for progress in technology and all that. And as we always contrasted today, Tommy, nobody is going around and going, I love Apple. Apple is great. That FaceTime is unbelievable. I can't believe it. It's, it's I'm holding it in. I'm seeing somebody in India, 4K. It's better quality than being there. You know, no one says that. It's Nobody. like, you know, a little my Wi-Fi went out today. Yeah. yeah it well, didn't, uh... I, I would I would uh, just amend that statement, yeah. Scotty. We're saying that. Yes. Oh, we're saying we are discovering and, and bringing back the excitement and uh, joy for the future uh, that. And I'm still you know, trying to put this together, actually, um, you kind of want I, I kind of wish that you could um, when we talk, we always knew exactly what we were going to say. So we could just go through life talking like uh, a super confident voiceover man. You know, that <laughs> well, we, and, and you're right, Scotty, we should be able to go to the uh, go to uh, McDonald's and I'll have a Big Mac. Yes, a Big Mac. <laughs> well, from farm to table. <laughs> You've chosen one of the finest things on the menu. Mm, you'll enjoy this meat and in a bun with cows and a fine. <laughs> well, what, what an exciting meat processing plant where cows are turned into the very hamburger of life. <laughs> you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that that's how and everything is stirring. You, you look around and. Yes, this is an Aeron chair, a chair of the future with many ways, infinitely adjustable Aeron chair. Yes, well, they were even though they sit and think <laughs> and work. Yes, well, they were futuristic in the yeah. Saarinen and, and, and the Eames chairs and all that. They weren't these old fashioned. They were they were not a nod to the future. And Saarinen's iconic TWA building, which has now been repurposed as a hotel with an addition I mean, even the buildings and everything, it was just point that people look forward to the future. And now the, the Saarinen um, TWA uh, building is is perfect. Um, 1964 World's Fair architecture. Yeah. To, I mean, yeah. that's it's the futuristic space agey look. And, and that was the, the World's Fair of 1939 was, as you have pointed out, Scotty, so um, uh Turgidly is, I don't know if that's a word, but I, I feel like you pointed it out very turgidly. Um, the fact that the, they're actually very different world's fairs and very different times. The 1939 was actually before World War II. It's just hard to imagine what life could be like before World War II because we're so used to life afterwards and how it's yeah. completely been changed. There was, well, actually, now, did they call apartment buildings 
they couldn't call them pre-war apartments. There was no war yet. <laughs> That's right. So they were just apartments. apartments. Yeah. <laughs> and you couldn't say, I want to, I'm going to hold that for a post-war going, what do you mean post-war? There's no war. <laughs> you have to wait. How long are you yeah. going to wait? So it changed the real estate industry, how you looked at well, it. And also, I mean, if you want to go back a little further, it was before, I mean, you know, before the rise of, of, of Germany. So people couldn't say, you're, you're acting like a Nazi. Because there weren't such thing as Nazis. I mean, they were there. But they were it wasn't there. In public, uh, In 1939, you know. they were there. Yeah, they were. We, we knew about but, it, but um, we hadn't fought the war. But I, it still, it's it just everything changed after the war. So there was a lot more. I mean, they had, uh, America in 1939 had been through a depression. They knew things weren't, you know, just perfect, hunky dory. But they had the belief that things would get better. Yeah, yeah, and also the one constant, though, the one similar theme. 1939 World's Fair, the world of tomorrow. And in 1964, of course, we had Tomorrowland uh, exhibit, uh, General, um, I guess it was General Motors was Tomorrowland. So, and there's a great, well, big, beautiful Disney, Tomorrow. Yeah, had Tomorrowland too. Disney was sort of yeah. based on a World's Fair kind of idea. Uh, yeah. If you look at the 1939 World, the 1935 World's Fair, they had, or 34, the Chicago World's Fair, uh, also very modern and, and, uh, it, and um, hopeful about the future in many ways, but they had uh, audio animatronics dinosaurs and you can see them and, and nobody talk, called them audio animatronics in those days. Disney oh. thought that they invented audio animatronics in the 1960s. No, no, no. There were these dinosaurs moving arr, arr, back and <laughs> forth. And uh, so the, uh, we, 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 you and I on this podcast have been um, avid supporters of, of um, audio animatronics uh, in general, but as a solution to so many of our problems. And it's, it's a sort of invention that Disney uh, unveiled at the 1964 World's Fair, the, the Lincoln, uh, Abe Lincoln, who I think we talked about that. You know, we talked about him at the Samuel Morse parade. There was one for that, for the Telegraph. But, you know, Tommy, back in 39, you know, I think the Trilon and the Perisphere were even cooler, as they say, structures than the Unisphere, which also was a nice thing in 64. Yeah. But what they called the city of the future was democracy, <laughs> the utopian city of the future. And that's wow. what, uh, you know, the 19th. The, by the way, the fair was built on the site of a former ash dump. That's, the that's right. Meadows Park. It was not a park. It was an ash dump. So, well, that's what uh, I mentioned, Scotty, that, that yeah. that's the that's what Daisy Buchanan drives through this ash dump on the way to uh, to um, the Plaza Hotel in the Great Gatsby. Yeah, that's so where I think some bit that's where a big thing happens in the in the book so it's fascinating to me that 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 that's the uh that that was the very ash heap and then it turned into this and he makes fun of it uh uh f, f. scott fitzgerald you know as being mm. sort of this hellscape of of ash heapness and in those days in the 1920s you had to drive over surface roads scotty there were no great super highways to, to <laughs> insulate the uh, uh um wealthy heiresses uh, driving to New York had to drive over surface streets through ash heaps. Can you imagine that life? And you'd be go put, 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 in your yeah, in your and the cars Royce. weren't yeah, and it's, uh, convertibles too, and, and whatever you know, you would get to, uh, there'd be soots and all that. Soot. So yeah, it, uh, Scotty. Yeah. 
yeah. Uh, 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 the soot uh, that that but but the world of, of the future would not have such thing. And so uh, the fact that it obliterated that ash heap already was a miracle. And turned no, that into was a the positive. 1939 World Fair. It's just, now it's amazing though because these buildings and, and one should go to YouTube and look at it. These were fine buildings. Now in the 1894 Chicago Exposition, it was beautiful, but. Uh, they were made, as you told me earlier, before we went on the air, made of paper mache. Oh, actually, that was one a, building. Yeah, yeah, the 1893 uh, yes. uh, uh, fair, yes. The Devil in the White City. The Devil in the White City, made, made out of yeah. paper mache. Now, those of you listeners who's, who, I assume everybody's made something from paper mache at, at some point in their, life, at, in their childhood, but I'm not sure that that's true anymore. No, I don't hear it come up. And, yeah. and very few architects really think of using it like when you do a new <laughs> no. apartment. What are you going to make it with? Concrete steel? I'm going to go with paper mache. Paper mache. It'll save a little mod dollars. <laughs> and it's a, it's a light. It's easy to work with. And It's like, well, what uh, if it rains? Well, hopefully it won't rain. <laughs> we only do it in hopefully it climates won't rain. that hopefully it won't rain and yeah, then we'll deal with it when we get to that. But, you know, <laughs> but hopefully we uh, won't have to but, deal with it. And hopefully yeah. if we do deal with it, we'll figure it out. Yeah, right now though it's cheaper. <laughs> in 1939, though, these are mammoth concrete. Incredible. Yeah. The sad thing is they were all destroyed. In fact, I think there is one building though. There was the Hall of Sciences. I think was taken over by Bolivar, and I do believe that's still there. Well, that's exciting uh, news, Scotty. I, I, I'm, I'm thrilled at that because the only remaining building, of course, from the 1893 World's Fair was, it was at that time it had been the Great Hall of Fine Arts. It, it became now the the Museum of Science and Industry, a massive building, which actually was one of the smaller buildings at that incredible World's Fair. I totally agree with you, Scotty. Don't make World's Fair buildings. I mean, that was the one building that was not made out of paper mache uh, yeah. in an 1893 World's Fair, and it exists today. A, a lesson to us all, don't build yeah, build with paper mache. Scotty, such a good advice to oh, yeah. the architects well, who might be living yeah. Listening, and we do get uh, quite a few. And and Tommy, it's it's just um, it is remarkable in that. Uh, so basically, there was one building left in 1964. I believe there is still a couple of buildings that are extant from there. But it does seem to be so the, the 1964. Well, for, yeah, four, well, yeah, there's, there's like that, yeah, there are. There's some pavilion also. There's this uh, New York State Pavilion. You can go, and it's it looks very, it looks down on the heels, and it's a type yeah. of architecture that. That it's 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 very interesting, kind of uh, this it's snapshot of of design in in that period that exists today, and also that big globe. But I totally agree. Why not keep the perisphere and and the trilon? Yeah, they the kept the How wondrous yeah. that would yeah. be yeah. today oh, yeah. if you could drive when you because you always pass that area on the way when you're driving from Manhattan to JFK Airport. You always and go the, past the the. And LaGuardia, uh, actually, too, because it's right there. But also the Unisphere is there from 64. Yes. So why not have kept the other one, the other two? Right, the even Trilon and the Perisphere. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, this is um, one of the great uh, mysteries, really. Um, and also, maybe the pylon, how great would it be if Scotty, you know, they probably dismantled the Trilon and the Perisphere, I, is it too much to think when you were going through your house, you know, when you were moving out? And I know this yeah. is crazy, but did you look to make sure that they didn't have the various pieces 
of the Trilon and Perisphere. I mean, it's it's short away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a. I mean, it's a long shot that it would wind up at, at your house. But well, you know, I might have thought that had we I done the research I've done the last couple of days for this. But it sort of just thinking of the thing it was in the back of my mind that it might be there. But then I kind of thought, eh, probably not. But so it's, you um, didn't you didn't look. I didn't really look. I was looking uh, for my comic books and my baseball cards. Really, <laughs> that was my focus. So maybe it was a little. I, too I don't blame you. Those are yeah, important yeah. too. But. But I mean, and, and, and honestly, it's probably not. They probably didn't, you know, store them. Why would they store them in your house? And you would right. have noticed it. It would have taken up a lot of the space. Oh, yeah. In the, in, yes, in those kind of things. Yeah. yeah, you couldn't have just hit it in a corner. Now, well, but you pose a great question. Why didn't they move it somewhere and put it in some other plaza in St. Louis or somewhere? Somebody would have taken it. Why would you destroy it? So it's, it's, it's not the same thing as NBC destroying the Tonight Show tapes, but it's the same mentality. Yeah, no, no. I mean, it, it is the kind of the same mentality. Well, the, the Tonight Show tapes, when they that was done out of spite because Johnny Carson was so powerful and he got a really good deal and he and he shamed some some executive. In the case of the Trilon and the Perisphere, it's more mysterious. Yeah, well, I have to wonder say- what. And and I'm just gonna say it, Scotty. This is you know, I mean, elephant in the room time. Could it have been the Nazis? Well, I think it could be people in the United States thinking it looked too much like a communism or something. And who, who knows, you know, it's hammer and sickle, pylon and, you know, who knows? Pylon and Perisphere. But, you know, Tommy, by the way, the one remarkable thing that I mentioned in the opening, yeah. this World's Fair with families and children and church groups and nuns in attendance had an amusement area, which no other World's Fair had to this extent, and burlesque dancers i mean a huge air crystal palace where the crystal lassies performed and these were topless dancers during the day 1939 uh dancing and there were nine of them and it was advertised big thing you know because sally rand not just one but no nine of them doing solo shows and we have movies of it i've seen it with my own eyes oh yeah and and, uh, i can tell you from having actually been to the 1964 world's fair uh, uh, a mere 20 Five years later, there were no such topless dancers at anywhere to be seen. No, it would have been great. So, yes, in the future, topless dancers, it'll be amazing. Through, you know, you could have done artificial reality, you could do so many yeah. things. There's a no electronics, topless yeah. dancers. Yeah, uh, no, it was but, a different attitude. It was sort of, but they didn't do it. They, they no. failed to do that. And, and so, as a result, we don't have topless dancers today. It wasn't envisioned. Well, they didn't, they, they envisioned a picture phone. And yeah. now we're talking on on this very picture phone, but they did not. They dropped the ball when it came to topless dancers. Well, and, at the and you know, before World's Fair, maybe 1939, it was European influence was more uh, open, but it was a you know they had many you know many amusement areas and many exciting things. And yes, they were and dancing and and just and yes, it was. So you don't you don't feel that there's something weird about the fact that these, these are two two different things that happen, Scotty. That, that are mysterious. One, the, the disappearance of the Trilon and the Perisphere, which are huge objects to just suddenly, you know, disappear. And two, why didn't the 1964 World's Fair predict topless dancers as the 1939 World's Fair did? Those are those are mysteries, Scotty. I think well, we you would really... think, yeah, both of them are in, yeah. in their own way. We're going to have to, I, I think, in their own way. I think that's that's a good you know, yeah, yeah. Well, also, point. let's 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 not say that they're both identical. 
No, although there could be. That's what investigation will find out. But, but Tommy, yes. this is a topic that, among many others, will is which we touched. I don't want to say tip of the iceberg because that's negative. But we've no. we've got to find the positive. We've merely just, oh the positive. Oh, yeah, scratch the surface. There we go. Scratch the well, surface. I, think, I don't know. I, I think we the positive too is. I think there's something positive about discovering a mystery. Oh, you know, no, of course. I'm back in the 1930s, people loved mysteries. Oh, yes. There was yes, even yes, a I, radio show called I Love a Mystery. Oh, yes. I just didn't want to use the expression tip of the iceberg, but certainly <laughs> scratch the surface yeah. or whatever, it's something even better. But no, yes, there's much more to explore whatever happened to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, oh, and, yeah. And, we'll be returning to this fascinating topic because, Scotty, we are more than just people who uh, are buffs about old world's fairs. We embody the spirit of the world's fair, the spirit of optimism, the spirit of building, the spirit of a hearty, throat-filled voice. Yes, yes. And a better world of tomorrow today. Yes, that's, that's what we're here for. We, so we look to the past for a better future. And must we encourage all of our listeners far and wide in the United States and around the world to think positively, to dream to the future for a better future, the world of tomorrow. And until tomorrow, I remain sincerely yours, Scott Blakeman. And I am also going to remain Tom Saunders. And we're getting through this.